your developer experience, you're choosing different syntax. That's important. It matters. But like, they're kind of the same frameworks. They work the same. They behave the same. They do everything the same. And this is the reason why once you look at real world websites, their performance is all about the same. Hi there, and welcome to Pod Rocket. I'm your host, Paul, and today we're joined with Mishko Hevery. So Mishko is the creator of Angular, what he's very well known for, as well as Quick, and the CTO of Builder.io. Welcome to the podcast, Mishko. Thanks for having me. So we're going to get a little bit into Quick, even though you were on an episode about a year ago here at Pod Rocket, we're going to talk about Quick and what makes it so special in this landscape right now, what feels like a waterfall of web technologies coming out that all have a very unique value proposition. So we're going to talk about Quick and then Quick City, which is more of a recent kid on the block, right? So let, let's get let's get right into it. I mean, Quick is supposed to make websites quick, right? That's the fundamental basis of it. Um, so I guess you can start with the fact that if you look at the speed of the website, it's really highly correlated to the amount of JavaScript that you have to execute in the browser, right? So the more JavaScript you have to execute, the slower the startup performance mm -hmm. of the website will be. And, and just to be clear, like I want to talk about startup performance, not in terms of runtime performance, because I think runtime performance, all the frameworks are good enough. Like It doesn't really matter which framework you choose. Your runtime performance is going to be just fine. And so the issue is startup performance, right? Imagine you come to a site, somebody sends you a link on Twitter, like, oh, these cool sneakers, you have to buy them, right? Like you, you go to that link and you want to push the buy button and it doesn't work for like, depending on your mobile connection, et cetera, it could take up to 30 seconds, right? And you're like, you know what? At some point you're like, forget it. I don't need it. And you leave. You get snapped out of your uh, buyer excitement. Yes, yes. And so, um, you know, we just want to make sure, make sure that even on the slowest of networks, um, that is, you know, not the best, which cuts out a lot. Even in that situation, you can have the best possible experience. And if you think about it, it all comes down to uh, the least amount of JavaScript you can execute on the browser, the better, right? The more JavaScript you have to execute, the worse the situation becomes. So that's the fundamental heuristic here. Minimize the JavaScript. Minimize the JavaScript. It's uh, it's not rocket science, right? Like it's obvious, and everybody can can agree that you know the framework that executes less JavaScript will be faster than the framework that executes more. And it's just not like you know an algorithmic thing. It's just like the less JavaScript you have, the the better your performance is going to be. Um, and so the hard part is really how do you break up your app so that the least amount of JavaScript comes into the client. So one way that Quick approaches this, when I was I'm just reading some taglines when I was visiting the website and reading on the GitHub is it has a component style framework. So to step into this a little bit, does that mean I can kind of create a component and it will get loaded or not loaded selectively depending where in the app? Yeah. So actually, let, let's step back a little further. And I think we should kind of get in the history of like, how do we get here, right? And so originally, we would send uh, raw HTML to the client and then every uh, click would be kind of a round trip back to the server, right? And so from the point of view of like interactivity, it wasn't great. But from the point of view of a startup performance, it was just amazingly fast. And then we said, well, we want interactivity. And so we added something like JQuery to it. 
and the interactivity improved, but we didn't like the, the developer experience because we had to kind of write in one language on a server and another language on the client and like, who wants to do that, right? And so we kind of moved to component-based frameworks. Like a, kind of the big aha moment was like, you know what? Let's just move everything to JavaScript and make the server just basically serve up a blank page and then JavaScript does everything else, right? And so this is kind of the, the birth of SPAs or single page applications. And the situation there is that the more complicated your page becomes, obviously the more JavaScript you have to download and the longer the startup performance will be. And so this quickly became a problem because the sites were getting more and more complicated. And so staring at the white screen before you could do something, you know, it's not good. And so what people started doing is they started pre-rendering, right? Uh, you, you, you pre-render the page on a, on a server. So you send HTML with the picture. And so while uh, the user, uh, they can't click anything because the HTML is inert, but they can at least look at the stuff, right? And by the time they figure out what they want to click on, hopefully you have bootstrapped yourself. And I say hopefully because like that's the theory in practice. You know, once you get to like in 20, 30 second time for boot up, like, eh, I don't think that's, it's really, you know, falls under the category of, of hopefully, you know. So, so basically we had this idea of pre-rendering and then normal application would run. And what I mean by normal application would run is that like literally the JavaScript is the same exact code base, right? Like it would wake up, it would uh, render everything and would literally throw away the DOM and replace it with a new DOM. And so that seems wasteful. And so a small improvement we did is basically we said like, well, instead of throwing away the DOM that we have, let's try to reconcile it. Meaning like, let's walk it and try to reuse the nodes if possible. And I really want to stress this idea of reconciliation because like, even if you gave it a completely wrong website to the reconciliation algorithm, you will still end up with your actual application, right? So like the, the, the reconciliation is kind of nice and useful, but like at the end of the day, it, is, it doesn't care what DOM you give it. It will reconcile it to what it wants it to be, right? That's why it's called reconciliation. Like I, the JavaScript has a source of the truth. Uh, the HTML is a good suggestion, but at the end of the day, JavaScript wins and it's the thing that executes, right? And so we call this hydration, right? And if you think about it, the hydration cost is still the cost of the, the regular application, right? It's, it, there's no difference. And if anything, you could make an argument that now that the HTML is in the blank page, it's actually a complicated HTML. The site actually got slower because, well, you had to download bigger HTML. And then, yeah, the rest of the page would, would, would go. Um, it's a bigger, like, O of one step at the beginning. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. And so uh, that's kind of the status quo where we are today. And if you look at frameworks, whether it's jQuery, uh, sorry, that's not a framework, uh, Angular or Svelte or React or Vue or whatever your favorite framework is, um, they're all kind of fundamentally the same in terms of how they work. The only kind of difference between them is some are reactive and some are not, right? So... Uh, you know, the, the king of reactivity, I guess, would be like SolidJS. Like, they, they, they have a really, really nice reactive system. And the other extreme would be like Angular and React. React, despite its name, is not actually reactive, as, as the old joke goes. Um, and then, you know, you have something in between like Svelte or Vue. Uh, and so you have different kinds of level of reactivity. And reactivity helps with um, the update process, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, like, you're really just choosing different uh, syntax, right? So like your developer experience, uh, you're choosing different syntax. That's important. It matters. But like they're kind of the same frameworks. Like they kind of work the same. They behave the same. They do everything the same. And this is the reason why 
once you look at real-world websites, their performance is all about the same. It doesn't really matter whether you choose React or Svelte or whatever. You know, yes, some websites might be a little bit faster than the others on average, but nothing significant, nothing that actually moves the needle. Um, and, and, and the problem is that it do, it, it's, it's proportional to the complexity of the website, right? So somebody builds a simple Hello World site and they're like, look, I use technology X and it's 100 out of 100 on my page speed score and look how amazingly fast it is. And like, yeah, because it's a Hello World, right? Like as you add more and more code, you know, as you send real world problems to this particular site, um, it becomes more difficult and it becomes slower. And so the, the kind of the startup performance of, of existing websites is proportional to the complexity of the page. So it kind of becomes a, uh, a an abstraction problem for the development team about what is the best, the minimum complexity that we can deliver this product with versus a like... Yes. Yeah, okay. And this is where kind of Quick comes in and says, okay, like we like the developer experience of the existing frameworks. So we want to have the same exact developer experience. So in that, same, in that sense, Quick is the same exact thing. But where Quick differs is it says, you know, we don't want to have this hydration at the beginning because the hydration at the beginning really executes your application eagerly in order for the framework to kind of recover the state. What I mean by that is in order for the framework to know where the component boundaries are, where the listeners are, where the data binding is, right? The framework needs to know all that stuff. And so it needs to be able to get that information somehow. And the way it does it is that by executing application code, right? And as you can see, like the more complicated your page becomes, the more application code you have to execute, the longer it will take for the application to start up, right? Throw at it the fact that like more code means more download. If you have a crappy network, that gets worse. If you have a crappy phone, uh, it gets worse in terms of uh, startup performance, right? And all of these things just go against you. But if you pause for a second you, and you say like, well, as a user, can I interact with the whole page all at once? The answer is no, right? You can interact with a section of the page at a time. I can add to the shopping cart. And if I'm adding to the shopping cart, I can't be interacting with the menu. And if I'm interacting with the menu, I can't be interacting with the product reviews and so on and so forth, right? So the, the thing that you want to do is basically say, instead of looking at it as a whole page that all of the code has to be present before any interaction can happen, could we make it that only the the areas where you actually interact with, only that code needs to be present. And this is the important part, is we don't want to eagerly execute anything, right? Remember, hydration requires you to eagerly execute the application so that you can figure out where your bindings, listeners, and components are, right? We don't want to execute anything eagerly. And so we have a new system we call Resumability. And the idea behind Resumability is that um, we can serialize, we still need this information, right? Like this information about where the components are, where the bindings are, and where the listeners are. That information still has to be gotten somehow. But instead of retrieving it by executing application code, all of that information is actually serialized inside the HTML. And because of that, the resumability is pretty much constant cost. I mean, yes, it's a little bit more expensive when there's more data, but it is constant because, you know, the more data really just means that you have to parse a bigger JSON. And because JSON parsing is in C++, it is essentially super, super fast. It really is not even an issue. Um, so really what you come down to is that the fact that you don't have to execute any application code, that is the thing that 
that kind of gives you the biggest boost. And, and you don't have to execute any application code, whether you have a small app or whether you have a humongous app. In both cases, you're not executing any application code. And so the fact that you just have to deserialize this JSON makes it super inexpensive. So super, super cheap. Uh, think like, you know, even on ridiculously large, complex data sites, we can resume the system in under 10 milliseconds kind of a thing. Do you, when you say you serialize this through the HTML, how do you even begin to approach the problem of like taking an arbitrary set of motions and... Yeah, so that's where the magic is, right? <laughs> it is like, I can't even, I can't even begin to wrap my head around how, <laughs> how you want, because that I feels like that's a boil the ocean thing. Like you need to support anything out there and you're like yeah i can serialize it um so no, it's not anything there are some constraints uh but the, the the thing to kind of wrap your head around is if you're familiar with building existing system using components and how components lay on top of each other and connect etc like the same exact mental model is is quick as well and on top of that because it's jsx it's going to look very very similar to react or solid js or any other jsx like framework so from that point of view you are doing the normal stuff that you have always done as a developer, as a developer, not as a user, right? Um, but what the unique part is that uh, Quick has this bit called an optimizer. An optimizer is a basically a transpiler written in Rust that takes your source code and shreds it into pieces. What I mean by shredding is normally when you build an application, you have the 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 main or the top level component, right? The root component that you export. And no other really uh, components are really exported. I mean, they could be exported, but when the bundler gets done with them and puts them together into a single chunk, really only the top level uh, component is exported. And that means that the only way to get hold of anything inside of that bundle is by grabbing the root component and executing it, right? And, and as you're executing the root component, the root component tells you about child components, which then you execute the child components, and that tells you about more child components. It tells you about the listeners and, and the bindings and so on and so forth. So you have this cascade of execution that eventually tells you about the system. So in order to be resumable, the thing is that you need to be able to reach into your application and be able to get any kind of reference to anything you want. So let's say you have a simple counter, you wanna be able to get hold of the listener representing the button that will increment the counter, right? But if you think about it, the way this is actually usually done is you say button, on click, whatever, and that JSX is inside of a component which isn't exported because you need to run some other parent component that tells you about this component, right? And so you very quickly get into this cascade of like, I cannot get a, like all I want is that button listener, but I can't get a hold of it, right? And so what the optimizer does is it rearranges the code so that all of the uh, listeners and closures and things are actually exportable. So that you can just be like, oh, I need the, the, the listener for this button and bam, like you just import this symbol over here and there's your listener. You don't have to go through this other stuff here you just need to get a hold of the listener itself. That must look like a crazy project when it's like rearranged, like to to a, to a, to a developer that's normally just in the framework. Like actually, it's surprisingly um, one of the things that we wanted to make sure is that the code that we rearrange, the output code, looks identical to the input code because if you do too many changes, debugging becomes hard. And so, actually, uh, we literally just move the closure to the top level export. 
And then we add a extra line of code that restores the captured variables because closures close over variables, right? Uh, and besides that, we don't do anything else. And so as a result, when you look at it in a debugger or when you debug your code, et cetera, it is your code. So you recognize it immediately. I wrote this, you know, it might be in a different file, but I wrote this, this is me. You know, there's no extra variables or no, you know, none of this crazy magic happens in here. So what the optimizer really does is just uh, essentially refactors by hoisting all the closures to a top level symbol that can be imported. Gotcha. Okay. So the end code that you would see in a debugger is the same. Um, I guess I've never, I was sort of getting at that. I've never, I think, seen a output, like wrapping my head around if, oh, if I wrote something, I saw everything auto hoisted to the top like that. It would look very, um, it would look very different. I've never, uh, I would, it would look like some foreign body of code from what I originally wrote. And so is the, is the, um, like inside, inside the original file that gets brought into the browser. And yeah, but source maps kind of fix that, right? Like source maps are good at saying like this file is actually this file. Source maps are not good when you like change the code. Like if you take a for loop and turn it into a for each source map, aren't going to help you, right? Like that's going to be horrible. But if it's just moved to a different locations and the variable names stay the same and imports stay the same and all that stuff stays the same, source maps actually work really good on that. So what do you think is the number one, you know, like customer? And when I say customer, I mean like developer, developer team that has found success with Quick. Or are you under the belief that like really anybody that's developing on the modern web um, should seriously consider looking at quick we, i think we have some really nice dx because you know the framework is also reactive turns out reactivity is a prerequisite to resumability uh so it's reactive and i think uh i kind of was tweeting the other day saying like i don't know what framework you're going to use next but the next framework you use will be reactive like that is here to stay right with advent of like solid js swelled view even you know, everybody's even angular is now moving towards reactivity like everybody's recognizing that reactivity is the the thing that you want and it has many many benefits and so your next framework will be reactive now i'm going to try to convince you that your next should be reactive and reasonable <laughs> and the reason why you want reasonability right is that you want if you're in a situation where you are constantly sending links to people and people click on those links and they immediately want to be able to interact with the page like you just want fast interaction like the first interaction that matters right if you're in that situation uh, i think quick is a perfect uh, candidate for that because um, we can get the system up and running faster than nobody else can and you know recently i was just traveling to europe and uh, I was at a conference, and of course, everywhere is Wi-Fi, so I didn't bother uh, paying for uh, um, the, the internet on my mobile phone. But it turns out T-Mobile just gives you a slow internet for free. And so what was interesting is that while I was sitting in a taxi, right, when I wanted to navigate to a page, it basically was unusable. But I could navigate to Quick website, and that was usable just fine. Because the amount of JavaScript we send is significantly less. When I say significantly less, I mean like one-tenth of it. And so a good question to ask would be like, well, why is it so much less JavaScript? Like what's happening in there, right? And, um, you know, when we talked about hydration, I said like, well, we started like pre-rendering the page and then they, we sent you HTML. And then the JavaScript woke up and kind of essentially threw away the HTML, or reconciled it, and, right? So if you think about it, the information is there twice, once in the form of HTML and once in the form of JavaScript, right? So you're sending the same thing twice. 
right? And um, the thing that Quick can do, because it's resumable, is that it can throw away the duplicates. So if it knows that the information is already present in HTML, then it can throw away the JavaScript version of it, right? And so, again, it depends on the kind of website you have, but for many websites, it could be as much as 95% of the JavaScript doesn't show up. Maybe realistically, let's say 80% of the JavaScript doesn't show up. It doesn't matter, right? A huge chunk of JavaScript just never shows up at the client, and that's a significant saving, right, that, that you won't get. That yeah, that's crazy. So you, I mean, like in the end, what it feels like to me understanding, please correct me if I'm wrong. It's like you map out in a dependency tree, the way that the interactivity and like the life cycle of the stack of a website works, you're able to resume and like pause and come back through every listener and through every, and you can disassemble the, the cells, the DNA of what you're sending over. And because of that, you can selectively reconstruct. Now, one thing you said is we're, we can we can serve it faster than anybody else, which brings me to that's one last thing that I wanted to talk about with Quick, which is Quick City. So when you say we can serve it, are you serving Quick sites yourself? Are you having an optimized solution for people? Because I know like we got Next and Vercel and, and all that. Yeah, yeah. so l- let's clarify that. Um, Sending bytes over the wire, right? Everybody's in the same boat. Like, it's not like you can magically make the bytes over the wire go faster, right? Like, so there, there's no particular advantage one framework or one technology has over the other. The only thing you can do is you can move your code to the edge, right? And then edge is kind of the new hotness these days. And so whether you're using Vercel, Cloudflare, or Netlify, in all of these categories, fundamentally, you should have about the same advantage, right? So the, the real problem comes in, well, how do you generate that uh, that pages? And currently, page generation is kind of expensive. Uh, and so most people or most websites basically solve this by generating everything into a CDN, right? And so you have a cached copy in the CDN. And, and yes, you can do the same exact with Quick. There's no reason why you can't take the generated HTML and put it in the CDN, in which case the HTML delivery is the same as any other website, right? The thing that the place where um, Quick will have an advantage is that once the HTML is delivered, it has to download way, way less JavaScript because of the duplication problem, right? And then the JavaScript it downloads, it doesn't have to eagerly execute. And it doesn't have to run reconciliation, right? So the, 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 the kind of like, the HTML serves up at the same speed with Quick versus the competition, right? But then Quick is like, well, I'm done. And then the competition is like, yeah, but I need to download my JavaScript again, which is a duplicate of what I just downloaded, but in JavaScript. Then I have to execute my JavaScript. Then I have to run the reconciliation, and then I'm done, right? So there is this huge amount of stuff on the client that just doesn't happen in Quick, and as a result, Quick wins. But we can actually even do something, some tricks on a server as well. So one of the things that Quick um, is good at is that it can encapsulate the whole of itself into an HTML string. That means that HTML contains uh, listener location, uh, boundary location for components. It includes the reactivity graph of the components. It includes the actual state of the application itself. It includes the binding locations for things. Basically, everything is kind of included in that uh, serialized HTML, and as a result, uh, the framework can reason about the application without the application code being present, 
right? And that's kind of the advantage here is that because I can reason about the system without the application code being present, it doesn't matter how massive of an application you've built. It just doesn't matter because like, I don't need it to reason about the system, right? Whereas everybody else is like, well, I need to reason about the system, which means I need the data. I need to download the application. I have to execute the application. And then that went after I execute it, then I have sufficient information that I can reason about it, right? And so because everything is inside of a HTML, the thing we can do is we can take the page, the single page, and break it up into smaller, what we call containers, like smaller chunks of HTML. And because we can break it up, each of the containers themselves could be cached or not cached. So let me give you an example. Let's say you want Amazon level personalization. What that means is that when I navigate to Amazon, you know, it says my name, there's a menu on the top, it, it's, it shows me how many items in the shopping cart. The hero box contains things like, oh, have you considered buying this new 3D printer, right? And below the hero box, it says like, oh, we noticed you haven't bought your filament for your 3D printer in a while. Like, how about buying this thing that you last bought three months ago, right? And the problem is this is not cacheable, right? Because it's useful to me, but it's not useful to anybody else. And so what happens is people see the cache like categories of things. They're like, oh, you're a male and therefore we'll, we'll cache a version of our page that will show male clothes, right? You're a female, so we're going to show you female clothes, right? Like, yeah, that's a very high level categorization, but it's not really as low level as, as, uh, as uh, Amazon, which actually knows that like I'm into 3D printers and I haven't bought my filament in a while. So like get on it, right? Like buy, buy some of this stuff. Um, and so the, this is uncacheable. But if you think about it, you can break this up into sections and you can say like, well, the menu system is cacheable. If I can re retrieve it out of a CDN, I can answer that super fast. The shopping cart, I have to render because that's specific to you. Then I come to the hero image. And while uh, I don't know how to CDN retrieve the whole hero at once, it turns out this, there's only so many hero sections I can have. Let's say as a, uh, Amazon, let's say they only have thousand different hero sections, right? So then we can just go to the one of the thousand ones in the CDN and just retrieve that one. And then we can just say, okay, well, this is the 3D printing uh, folks, you know, section over here. And then they can go to a specific products that you haven't bought and either render them or cache them and then put them over there, right? So while the whole page is not CDN cacheable, chunks of it are. And so the trick that Quick can do is that it can render itself not with a single edge worker, which then you're limited by the processor speed, but it can merge out and say, like, you will render the, uh, the menu, you will render the hero image, you will render the shopping cart, you will render the, you know, the product, you will render the, the comment section, right? And then because of that, um, things can assemble faster. Now, when you come to the comment section, you're going to be like, well, the comment section is below the fold. How about we don't even bother rendering that, and instead we'll just leave a note saying like, oh, if this ever becomes visible, go fetch the HTML for this from this URL, right? We can like set up the URL and be like, and so now the, uh, the section doesn't even have to download or even do anything until you make it visible by scrolling to it. I and mean, the moment you scroll to it, then the separate edge worker can answer that particular thing. And the reason why this works is because um, we can the, the quick applications were designed to be broken down to these containers, and then each container can do its separate thing. And this is kind of the, the magic of Quick City, right? And so it's not that necessarily we can render something faster than the the competition. It is that we can subdivide our page into sections, and then many of those sections can be satisfied by CDN caches. 
And we are not, we don't have the requirement that the whole page has to be CDN cacheable. Just the subsections have to be CDN cacheable, right? And so in this way, you can get Amazon level personalization without, you know, investing Amazon level um, effort into it. And oh, by the way, uh, there's a there's a famous tweet where Amazon engineer basically said, like, we looked at like React and Svelte, all the other things, and we decided we can't use them because they're not fast enough. And this is what they're talking about, right? The fact that like, they need to be able to render huge amounts of HTML and then make sure that there is no hydration cost on the client. And so the way they actually do it is in the good old fashioned ways of like, I don't know, PHP or something on the back end and then a jQuery on the front end, uh, because it's the only way to be surgical about which things matter and which things don't. And now don't down, double download all of the data to the client that, that is happening in the existing systems. Surgical is absolutely the right, the right word here. I mean, is there one reason why you named it Quick City? Because it's like a bunch of little pods of like. I think you're reading too much into it. Okay, okay. It was just a name you pulled out. I, I think it was. Uh, we we have Party Town. Okay. And so, because Party Town is for third party applications, so it's Party Town, right? So then we thought it'd be funny to just have a Quick City. <laughs> gotcha. I mean, yeah, Party Town, Quick City. That. That makes sense now that you bring that up. So you're, it's almost like you've um, developed an auto scaling uh, on on the yeah on the DOM level on the application level. It, yeah, it basically it, again it comes down to JavaScript, right? The the name of the game is to figure out how to send, how to ship as little of JavaScript as possible, and then how to make sure you don't have to execute any of that JavaScript, right? Uh, and so the reasonability is what allows you to not execute things eagerly, right? Uh, and then the only kind of JavaScript you have to ship down and to to execute are the actual interactions. So, so imagine you have a page, right, where there's shoes and there's a button that says add to shopping cart, right? Normally, you would have to send the JavaScript for the whole page, right? The menu system on the top, the... Uh, rendering of the product, the add to the shopping cart, the comment section on the bottom, the whole thing would have to be sh uh, shipped into formal JavaScript because it's all in there, right? And you need to execute the JavaScript to kind of figure out where all the listeners are. With Quick, the only thing you really have to ship is the listener for the add to shopping cart button, right? Because that's the only interaction that the user can make, right? And because that's the only interaction the user can make, well, that's the only thing that really needs to execute because the information about like where the components are, where the listeners are, where the bindings are, et cetera, and so forth, that is encoded in the HTML itself. So we don't need the application for that. And because of that, you really get to download a lot less JavaScript, but then you don't even bother executing it until the user actually clicks, right? And so that's the difference is that the, the this is actually, this is a kind of a problem for Quick, which is that uh, a lot of times people look at Quick and they're like, Oh, so it's like a different React, and then they walk away. And it's like, yes, I that's kind of intentional, right? We wanted to keep the same developer experience, but the magic is what happens behind the scenes, right? It's the thing that allows you to serve up these pages essentially instantly and not having to worry that like as my application grows in complexity, my performance will decrease. Like the goal you want is like, I don't care how complicated your application gets. That you shouldn't decrease your perf uh, speed performance of startup performance, right? The load time should always be O one. 
no matter what. That's right. And and it is because, you know, uh, there is only so much HTML that you can show above the fold. Everything below the fold, we could lazy load. And, you know, we have mechanisms for that. Which, by the way, this is kind of a hard thing to do in other frameworks, uh, to lazy load things below the fold. Uh, like, it's the thing that everybody talks about. It's not impossible, but it's not trivial. It's pretty trivial and quick. Uh, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is, like, we just don't need to execute any JavaScript on startup, right? Our our startup involves registering a global listener, which is like one kilobyte worth of JavaScript that is so tiny we actually inline it into HTML. And then the rest of it uh, executes when you start interacting with the page, right? And because uh, the cost of deserialization of the JSON is so cheap, we don't even bother deserializing anything until the user actually comes and interacts. Because when they actually come and interact, it's not going to be a... Uh a noticeable cost that's correct but and, and the important bit is the reason it's not noticeable is because the resumability part doesn't require the application to be present right because if you require application to the present then the complexity is unbounded it is up to the developer to make sure the application is small enough that you know they won't shoot themselves in the foot right but because the application is not present you know it's really up to the framework itself to make sure that nothing uh, bad happens, right? And so um, the the way it actually works is the moment you click on something, we start, we, we, uh, we basically say like, go uh, go fetch the, 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 the JavaScript, which by the way, is prefetched in a, in a service worker, so that's already. But while it's fetching that, in parallel, it starts JSON uh, um, parse, on the code and JSON parse, by the way, is super fast and it actually runs in the C code in a separate thread. It can do all of that stuff independently, right? And by the time the service worker comes back and says, "Here's your data," right, the JSON's already parsed and you can be ready to go. So it is uh, extremely, extremely fast, um, and there's it, there's just nothing really to be done. Um, and and I think the key thing that is hard to explain is that it is not dependent on a developer, right? And so it's not like the developer can write some code that will make this slow. Whereas developer can write a lot of code to make hydration slow. Right. It, it's going to guarantee the transpiling pipeline to the de delivery of the user in the end, no matter what. And because it's O of one, there's no multipliers, there's no like extra crazy stuff going on. It is O of one, no matter what. And I, I, I was go, I was into our conversation, so I was gonna say to viewers earlier. But if you want to like learn more about the details about what we're talking about now, like I mentioned when we kicked off our conversation, Mishko has another episode with Pod Rocket. So go flip through our, our other episodes. You can go check out his other one about Quick. Um, so if people wanted to check out Quick City, that's live now, correct? It is. Uh, the quickest way to do it is to just go to quick, uh, Q-W-I-K, right? The spelling's a little weird. Quick.new. And that URL actually takes you to StackBlitz where the whole thing is set up and you can go and start experimenting, right? So like that is by far the quickest way to get going. Uh, the other way, if you want to get it on your local machine is NPM uh, create quick at latest. Uh, and that's uh, you know a little more work, but like that's pretty straightforward as well. You know, but you just have to you know pay for the uh, the npm download and all that stuff. But quick.new is by far the simplest. Open a browser, go to quick.new, uh, and uh, there you have it. Awesome. And if people wanted to follow you, Mishko, you're on Twitter. Um... Yeah, M Hebery, and the quick is Q W I K 
Dev, D-E-V, D-E-V. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time, Mishko. And hopefully some people can go check out Quick City. Um, I wish, sometimes I wish we had video on because there's some points of our conversation I was cheesing really, real hard hearing about the preposterous, the prepo- the, like the craziness of what, what you have to offer here, just like surgically operating the DOM. So, you know, I, I tell people a lot of times is that, you know, as developers, we like imagine crazy stuff. Like, wouldn't it be cool if we only downloaded this piece of JavaScript? Wouldn't it be cool if we could lazily do this? Wouldn't it be cool if the service worker prefetched our code? Wouldn't it be cool if we could not do stuff below the folder, right? Like all those things that wouldn't it be cool, like you wishing you could do, but nobody actually goes to the trouble. Like all of those optimizations are baked in to quick. And the thing is, as a developer, you don't have to like even opt into them. They're just how quick works. And it, the reason why is because you and your team learn to speak the language of like website execution. Like you can, you, you're the DNA scientist. You can go in and you can just like splice and eat. I don't know if we're scientists, but yeah, I mean, it just comes to the realization, right? That it's all ties down to the amount of JavaScript you're shipping. The, 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 the amount of JavaScript that has to be executed at the client, right? And, and oh, by the way, I want to point out that a lot of times people get fool, fooled themselves because they'll do benchmarks and because they run the benchmark over and over and over again, the jitter kicks in. But when you are first navigating to a website, jitter is not helping. You are running in interpretive mode and it's running extra slow and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Mishko, thank you for your time. It was great having you, and hopefully we'll have you again in the near future to see what's happening. Awesome. Thank you. I would love to.